I'm crazy. Hey, everybody, we're back for another episode, and I have a very, very special guest. We have Miss Demetria L. Lucas. Hey, Demetria. Hey, girl. Hey. Hey. So you were the Belle in Brooklyn, but now you've moved to L.A. Well, you moved to D.C. first, and then you, you jumped ship on us East Coast people. You're in L.A. How was La La Land? It's amazing. I've only been here for, this is my eighth day. I <gasps> absolutely love it, and I'm like, I should have moved sooner. Okay. So- Everybody, all of my New York friends are pretty much LA residents. Do, do I need to come out there? Like, is it like yeah. that? Damn. So, girl, I wake up every day. Like, I, I live in a loft. I have like these gigantic six windows. I'm facing a mountain. I have a pink sunrise. Like, I literally oh. wake up and watch the sunrise every day and then go back to sleep for two hours. Like, I'm, oh, I'm living my life. And it's 75 degrees with no humidity every single day. It's crazy. So I don't have to tell you what my morning was like. I woke up to the two crackheads fighting that fight every day. Um, there's a school, there's a school, private school right next to me. So the kids are right there all morning, super loud. And then I think it might be 50 today, but it's groggy and tired looking. So no, I, I had birds chirping. It's, oh, it's, a, different life. it's a different life. I've lived that life. Though. I've lived the life you described. I lived, you know, right in the middle of Crown Heights for what, Girl. 15? So I know the life you're describing. Um, I don't miss that. You were in New York for 15 years. Yeah. yeah. It's time to go. Time to go. Yeah. So in traditional, I know I'm crazy fashion. You got to tell us why Demetria is crazy. Why do you know you crazy just like the rest of us? So look, I have these very zen moments where people sometimes say crazy things to me and I conduct myself in the manner that if people were recording, if it went wild and viral, then I would conduct myself like a woman, a lady, someone my mother would be proud of. But then when I get in my car... <laughs> you know where I'm going with this. I, know. I have every expletive in the world. I have every retort. I'm like, oh, I should have said. Oh, I should have said. Oh, I should have said. Like, and I'll go on like that for like a good like 15, 20, 30 minutes sometimes until I get it all out of my system. So you know, it's then yeah. public because I'm hiding <laughs> some crazy in private. So I read that you're a cancer woman. I'm a cancer woman too. You know, like we can be extremely guarded, especially with new people. And then you, yes. we, we want to appear because we are these very prim and proper beings, but you know, these hard crab like shells, but in the middle we're marshmallow and mush. So I feel you like I, I air fight all the time in the car. I'm like, I wish, why didn't I say this? Why didn't I? Oh, that's a good, yeah. I don't know if that makes you crazy though. That kind of makes you like a, a like a very good business person like a good woman i don't know demetria i feel oh. like people who drive up next to me and see me having a full-on conversation <laughs> argument with myself might say otherwise okay 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 you know what point like i know how it looks on the outside looking in i know my motivations but from the outside <laughs> looking in i look butt crazy <laughs> no. okay 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 so Demetria is a member of the Blended and Black community. She contributes a lot. She's not only um, doing her own writing, touring the world, being a, a renowned author, public speaking. I'm really happy to have her in the space. And y'all know, oh Lord, y'all know we go through some things over up in, in the Blended and Black community and in the Blended family community. And uh, I have Demetria here today because we're just going to talk. We're going to talk about some of the issues that we all face. And I have her as an expert also to chime in. She's a culture expert. And so I love her opinion. I, I love the way she thinks. And Demetria, I remember a few years back when I saw that you were, I don't know, I'm not even going to ask ages because who cares about numbers anymore. But I was like, okay, I got married when I was 35. And right. they called me a, an older bride. <laughs> 
They're like, oh my okay. God, this is so sweet. You're an old, you know, when you go to the doctor, by the way, and you know, over 35 pregnancy, they call you a geriatric pregnancy. So yeah, there's that. Like over 35 represents so many things for us as women. And so I was like, okay, Demetrius getting married. Obviously those of us that saw you um, do don't waste your pretty. Don't waste your pretty, which was like, critically acclaimed i saw you everywhere doing that it's it was teaching the single girl how to be how not to waste her time and then boom you became a bride and it was awesome and then i remember seeing the instagram post and you were like hey guys so um so boom here here it is here's the situation and you know obviously we're not here to dive into all of that but you know how what has being in blended in black taught you um how have, have we helped you in any sort of way? And, you know, the craziness that comes along with the big D, I even hate saying that word, I hate saying that word, divorce. But, you know, how have, how are you? How is Demetria since then? I asked you like 17 questions at once. So just pick one. Just pick one. Mm-hmm, um, girl, pick one. <laughs> uh, one of the misconceptions about don't waste your pretty is that it only applied to single women. Um, don't waste your pretty is a mantra, a way to go through life. It doesn't just apply to relationships. And when I say pretty, I don't just mean what you look like or what you, your body size or your face or your hair or anything like that. What I really mean is your value. So the intrinsic, um, I guess, traits that, that women tend to bring to the table. I'm talking about, um, your listening ear, talking about your emotional stability, your praying hands, your, your cooking, your cleaning, your just being a support and a presence for the person that you're in a relationship with. I think women are so much expected to, to nurture and give of themselves, but we don't have to. You know, that's something we choose to do for people that we care about. And we should always make sure that we're doing it for people who are returning the favor. And so in a relationship setting, that's what I mean. But I mean, when you just go out into the world, you bring so many wonderful traits, whoever you are, you bring a certain skill set, a certain, um, you know, insight, nurturing you as women, we are multipliers, we make good things great, you know? Yes, we absolutely. Whatever you're doing in the world, whether it's business, whether it's interpersonal, whether it's romantic, you should be making sure that the people that you're investing in are also investing back in you. So that's what I mean when I say, don't waste your pretty. Don't waste your pretty. So what would, what would you say to women that have gone through divorce, the single mothers especially, we have a very large population of single moms here that are divorced people. And, um, but even just a woman going through that, What's the best piece of advice you can give her to get through her day, the next moment, the next second? You know, I always say focus on the positive. Um, You know, we all have our ups and downs in our lives and our day. Focusing on the negative, like doing something about it is one thing. But just letting it sit around and thinking about like, oh, this is the most worst time of my life. You know, I'm dealing with this. I'm dealing with that. Like address it fine. But just to sit around, woe is me, it doesn't do anything for you. And it doesn't make you feel better. Pity parties don't change anything. It just makes you feel like crap. So get Um, up and do. Get up and move around and do something. Focus on something. Do something and get a good support system. And I don't mean just have random people around, um, but people who know that you're going through something and are actively trying to affirm you. So when I announced I was going through, I was was separated from my husband and and I just filed for divorce. I had a group of women who were kind of on the margins, like the friends who they're cool. You see them every once in a while, but they're not people who talk, you talk to every day. Yeah. They just flocked in from nowhere and was like, sis, we got you. Like mm. I've been through it. 
Um, I'm on the other side of it and it's going to be rough and here are the phases that you're going to go through and you can call me anytime, but just know there's, there's happiness on the other side of it. You just got to go through hell before you get there, but just understand what the process is. So if you can talk to other women who, you know, have successfully navigated it, successfully navigated it and they, they turned out okay, because there's, there's an idea of divorce that you know, you, you're supposed to have this happily ever after and it didn't work out. And then if you get divorced, then your life is just doomed from there. Like you fall into abject poverty and there's no happiness. There's no second chances. There's no sex. There's no, you know, serious commitments or emotions or love or anything else after that. And it's just honestly not true. Mm, mm. There is life after. You're just going to go through hell before you get there. And you're probably going to come out a lot better. You're going to burn away a lot of those pieces that should not have been there. You're shedding this old skin. You know, it. my God, my God. So we're going to move it up a notch, y'all. We're going to keep it a little lighter. And I know a lot of you guys um, can go and, and listen to more of Demetria's story. By the way, Demetria, you have a podcast. And I saw that your ranking on iTunes was like way, 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 way up there. When did you start your podcast? Like last year, right? Or at the top of this year, correct? I started uh, three months ago today, actually. And you promised us 90 days. So how are you looking? Are we still going to get this or not? Where yeah, we at? So I, I taped an episode last night and I was still <laughs> editing when I, when I got on with you this morning yeah. uh, or this morning to me. Um, so another episode is going up and I am going to keep it beyond 90 days just because like- No, Demetria, how long though? Like we need to know what to expect. Are you just going to disappear? I cannot me? give you a number. Oh here's my the God. Honest to God. Like my, I've moved to LA and I have some great opportunities underway out here. Um, and I don't like to promise things where I can't deliver. So that's why I first said like 90 days for this podcast. And then I decided to move to LA. So in the middle of like, oh, I'm going to give you 90 days. I'm going to do this every Thursday. Then everything gets choppy because I start going to conferences. I start working really hard again. Um, I move to a different coast. Like it's, it's all okay. over the place. But. Okay. You know what? Hey, I was going to be like, excuses, excuses. But girl, please. You got a lot going on. I get it. There's really it. genuinely a lot going on right you, now. And I just you literally have legitimate reasons. to. So, you know, I'm happy though. I got a chance to check out like three or four of them. And I was like, oh my God. I love this. I'll be sharing the link with all of you, though. Remember, you go to the black blog page, blendedandblack.com slash podcast. You can see everything about Dimitri. You can see how beautiful she is in all of her work and accolades. So let's get into it. So let's get into it. A while back in our Facebook group, there was this conversation. There's this guy. And for those of you that don't know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you like the 30 second version. There's a woman named B Smith. She is called the black Martha Stewart, but I honor her as just being her own woman. She's married to this guy for about 30 years now. His name is Dan Gatsby. So it's recently been reported and seen because we got it directly from Dan's Facebook page is that he has a new woman. Now you like Naja. Okay. This sounds kind of icky. It's getting icky because B Smith was diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's a few years ago. And we all were crushed because she's such a beautiful, statuesque, well-accomplished woman. She has had two restaurants downtown Manhattan. She was the belle of the ball, not the belle of Brooklyn. She, <laughs> she was like this consummate restaurateur. And I think it was her beauty for sure, because she started out as a, as a model. And so we heard about her Alzheimer's. The first time I heard about it was there there was some sort of alert that they put out, like B. Smith has disappeared. They can't find her. And then boom, she was found wandering around Manhattan and her family was forced to tell the public, her fans, that she in fact had early on onset Alzheimer's. Everybody's heartbroken. She and her husband wrote a book. It was called Before I Forget or something like that. And it was basically chronicling what their life was like before very privileged life. These people worked very hard, by the way. 
And it, she was giving a realistic look into what Alzheimer's was like from her perspective. Now, the Alzheimer's has completely set in. Dan, her husband, is a caretaker. They live together in their home. And where do they live, Demetria? Do you know? Um, they're out the Hamptons. They're okay. They, they have a home on the Hamptons. But here's the kicker. He has a new love interest. He has a new woman, a new woman named Alex. And he is all over. They're all over Facebook together. They're on the society scene together. And people are like, honey. There's so many things wrong with this. Now, Dan defends himself to the T. If you go on his Facebook page or if you read anything about this, Dan is so unapologetic. He's like, listen, I'll never put my wife in a home. No one else is ever going to take care of her. But he also complains profusely about how hard it is being a caretaker and how lonely it was for him. So some people kind of understand. Like They're like, well, yeah, Alzheimer's is a, is a terrible thing to watch a loved one go through. I'm happy you found love. And some people are like, no. You should have taken the vow of celibacy and waited until this woman took her last breath and then moved on. So, Demetria. Mm-hmm. Well, I hope I got it in. I thought y'all was talking real fast. <laughs> Demetria, we have had discussion after discussion about this. And when it comes to an illness such as a terminal illness, because Alzheimer's is ultimately terminal, and it does take a while. Now, where, where do you see marriage, the line of marriage being blurred in this case with Dan? So here's the thing. My grandmother had Alzheimer's and it is a very hard disease to manage from a family and loved one's perspective Um, to the point that, you know, your loved one, my own grandmother, you know, she didn't know who I was. She didn't know who my mother was, her daughter. Um, Mm -hmm. She wouldn't recognize us sometimes. Um, She would repeat herself uh, constantly. Um, She could tell you something that happened in 1960 with the weather clear as day, but she couldn't tell you, she couldn't remember what happened 30 seconds before. Like when my grandfather passed away, we had to keep telling her, this is her husband for like 60, 62 years when he passed. She couldn't remember that he died, you know? So you have to, if you haven't dealt with someone with Alzheimer's, you may not understand some of Dan's decisions. And, And I'm not at all saying that he's right in all of them, but I understand why he feels, why he needs companionship. And I do think it's a need, not just a want. I I understand why he sought companionship. The issue for me has always been the flaunting of it. Because Mm. he's made himself a public figure after this. Like B. Smith was the draw. He was married to B. Smith. She had Alzheimer's. He was portrayed as the loving husband who will care for her till her end of days. And no one was sitting around thinking about him until he started talking about his new love on Facebook. And, and the first time pictures. I heard the story, and sharing pictures, the first time I heard the story was in Blended in Black. I didn't, that was before the Grio, that was before the Washington Post did the big piece where it blew up and they started doing the news circuit. Um, and there was such debate in it. And I think a lot of people did understand that, you know, yes, he's married. Yes, you took vows. However, to expect, a, the man is in his 60s. He's and he's an attractive guy, too. He's not he's an attractive bad guy, even if he was unattractive. But seriously, uh, like, I he know, right? <laughs> live so for like another so 20 years or so, God willing, yeah. with the life expectancy to just expect that he's going to have no companionship, that he's going to have no no sex. He's going to have no conversation with anyone, that he's just going to be this devoted husband to a woman who honestly doesn't know she's in the world most of the time is unrealistic. I just don't like the way that he's been so 
public about it and moving the woman into the house. That's the part that you didn't mention. Oh, um, oh my God. Yes. That's the part that I was like, sir, like you're doing the most, like it's the marital residence. Like I know that she's, you know, B Smith is, has an illness and she may not understand exactly what's going on, but it, that's not right. It's not right. You know, I was watching this YouTube interview that his woman he, I think it was him, his woman, and his stepdaughter did. Maybe that was a Washington Post. And they came in and did an interview. And she was like, you know, sometimes B will act up and I'll smack her hand. And that drove people over the edge. I mean, yeah. she, because this woman is now her caretaker. She's now her, can I call him her boyfriend, her lover? She's her lover's uh, wife's caretaker as well they're living in the marital home and so that leads me to believe i wonder if b had any provisions in place like i know i have alzheimer's and this is how i want i want you to move on with your life or was she like nah let's let's keep her separate and it's also safe to say b doesn't have any biological children of her own she has one adult stepdaughter whom she was the custodial stepmother for yeah, um, I would love to talk to her and just be like, you know, sis, if this was your biological mother, would you, would your heart be able to stand for this? Or, you know, look, she can't have sisters or a living mama or nieces because you couldn't do that to my auntie either. Like, I just, I think I read she has two, bro- one or two brothers. I'm not sure, but I was like, a daughter would never have let this happen. Yeah, my no. son, he's off somewhere having doing his own thing, but she doesn't have that. But she has a stepdaughter, and the stepdaughter was like, listen, I wanted my father to find love. It was all about dad. And I wouldn't look for pictures. B was literally this child's uh, mother. For I don't yeah. know where her biological mother was. I could not find any information on that. But I was like, damn. You know, that, that separates the, that's the blur right there between a step and a biological. And, you know, I know a lot of stepmoms out there. There's a lot of stepmoms that listen to this. And, you know, we, and I'm one of you guys, by the way, and we devote these things and we pour into these children and not saying that I would expect my own biological children to come and wipe my pampers and keep me out of, out of trouble. Should something like that happen to me? However, you know, there's an expectation there and the compassion was not there. She was, it was like, oh, my dad. My dad needs happiness. And my dad is happy with Alex. And by the way, Alex used to live in my neighborhood, guys. Like, just fun fact. Fun fact. Oh, you're in Harlem? <laughs> yes, I am in Harlem. Absolutely. Um, I think that the daughter, the daughter's desire for her father to have companionship, I get that. I completely understand that. And I think even as a biological child, like, I would understand after a period of time, seeing my mother having this battling with this illness, I would get it. And I was like, you know, like my dad does need someone, but it's just the flaunting of it that really just, I find so distasteful. And not that he should apologize to any of us because we're not in his shoes. But when I say he is unapologetic times a million, it's, it's almost on the level of condescending and rubbing it in our faces. And as Demetrius says, flaunting it. So how, so how, I mean, there's no perfect, there's no formula, Demetrius. So how would, Okay, let's just say this happened to you. Let's just say, you know, oh, this is your fate. What would you instruct your loved ones to do in this case, if it were you? Honestly, I would ask them to put me in in a a really nice home. The same request my grandmother made. Put me in a really nice home that's clean and doesn't smell like urine. Come visit me on a regular basis. I don't want to be a burden to anyone. Mm. And at that point, you said your grandmother was well into her illness. So she was not aware of of where she was possibly? Well, 
you know, it, it's the same sort of way with, with B. Smith. You know, it's a progressive illness. Um, it becomes worse over the time. And, you know, there's varying factors that accelerate it. But early on, she said that she didn't want to be a burden. I mean, she said that, like, you know, my mother would say that even when she was young, my grandmother would say, put me in a home. I don't want to be a burden. I don't want you to spend, you know, your, your life taking care of me. We need to be taking care of your kids and your husband. Mm-hmm. Um, so in sound mind, she said that, and my grandfather agreed with her. They, they both wanted to be in a home together, which they were. Um, but I would make the same request, like put me in a home, um, come visit me. Don't just abandon me, but make sure I'm good. But I don't want to be the day to day. Um, and in no ways do I think my grandmother was a burden whatsoever, but I yeah. don't want to put the responsibility of, of taking care of me as a grown woman. You have to take care of them, of that person sometimes like a child. Um, I don't want that responsibility on my family. That's very unselfish of you. Extremely unselfish. And, you know, in, in, in certain communities, certain of us, certain cultures would say, I would never put my loved one there. But I don't think people realize the 24 hour around the clock of being a caretaker for an adult, for, yeah. a, for a grown up and a person with dementia or one of these ailments. And so okay. Also, one more thing. I would just yeah. want to put this in, in like practical terms. Like my grandmother would get up sometimes in the middle of the night and she would cook and she would forget to turn the stove off, you know, mm. or she would feel like, oh, I can drive. You know, I don't know why she still had access to keys. I think we knew how bad it was. But she drove to a grocery store one time and she got there. It was close to the house. She got there. She started wandering around the store and someone who worked in the store realized it was like a Walmart or something, mm. realized that this woman had been wandering around for six or seven hours. He was just wandering around and my grandfather didn't know where she was like they were old they didn't have cell phones um but the the person got got her or whatever took her to a back office and was like hey you know i'm concerned they called security security went through their purse or went through her purse and they called my mom and was like hey we found your mom she's been wandering around our store for about seven hours you were the only number that we found my mother was in dc my grandmother was in detroit (gasps) So we had to call relatives that live, that live nearby to go check them out. And then shortly after that is when they, um, they went into the home. But I don't think people really understand like all that can happen being a very well-intentioned relative, trying to take care of someone with Alzheimer's. Like if you're not aware of the possibilities of what could happen with your loved one, it can, it turns into a shit show sometimes. It can be really, really, really bad. Yeah. Sorry to curse. I know you're not a cursing person. My bad. It's okay. Oh no. See, this is different. This is the podcast. And, uh, okay. I don't, I try to respect people's spaces. I <laughs> you know, and, uh, I, I recently got in trouble by the way, guys for, um, cursing. I got kicked out of doing a, um, a Christian conference because somebody listened oh. to my cop podcast and they heard my stepmom affirmations where I have you ladies to remind yourselves you're not a weak ass bitch. And they're like, Oh no. I was like, well, I'm Christian. I love God, honey. But sometimes you got to tell folks you ain't a weak ass bitch. So anyway, um, yeah, this, the podcast is free. It's, it's, it's more of a free space. So you, you're free to be you. All right, y'all, we are going to move on to our next topic. So hitting, we discussed fighting, hitting, um, using our hands or putting them paws on somebody as a form of, because they've emotionally hurt you. Now I I myself, I can brag. I'm one of these chicks and y'all know I'm super sensitive, but I'm one of these women. I've never slapped a guy across his face because I caught him cheating. I've never stabbed a tire. I've never bashed out car windows. I consider myself sane or am I, or do I, or am I more devious? And, but 
I posed a question to the group a few days ago, like, hey, ladies, so you find out a guy's cheating or, you know, there's some sort of emotional offense. Like he's not hit you. He's not um, hurt your loved ones. You're pissed off because of something. Have you ever laid the smack down on a guy? And then I want to talk about what, what does it do? Like, what does it solve? Does it, it doesn't stop him from cheating. That's one thing I do know. So Demetria, you crazy like the rest? Are you crazy like me or are you crazy like them? Um, I've done it once. I've done it once. Um, in all my days, I, I like (laughs) we're cancers, right? And you, you've you've seen me on TV or whatever. Like I'm very even killed. Like when you pushed me to my limits, like I just really kind of shut down and have like this menacing evil voice. I don't move too much. (laughs) Like I'm very controlled in general. Um, but there was an incident that happened with someone I was in a relationship with Mm -hmm. and he did some wild ish. I won't tell you exactly what it was, okay. but it was, it was the insult to my intelligence to lie to my face about it mm. when there was clear evidence of what he had done. Right. Um, and when he tried to like gaslight it and turn it around, like, well, how do you know it was me? Maybe it was you. And I was just like, what? And I just, I tried to like, I, I do kickboxing and <laughs> I just, I just, I lost it. I didn't, I blacked out. I just, jab, I tried to jab him in his face. He blocked it. Thank no, God. No, um, no. I did. I didn't. Even, I don't. That's so not me. And in the moment, like, you know, he blocked it. He flexed up on me and I stood right there and I was like, we're going to do this. Like he was a big dude. I like really big guys. And I was stood there ready to fight. And then once oh. I calmed down, I was like, yo, you're like, I can't whoop him, but I would, you would die trying. You're like, I, your heart was in it that day. You're like, this no, is it. And not even on some, like, some pride and ego. I was like, I can't be with somebody who pushes me to behave like this. I can't be with somebody where I lose control. Like, I was well over. I was grown, grown when it happened. Yeah. Um, and I was like, I don't, I don't want to be this person. I don't want to act like this. I don't want to be with somebody that, that I lose control like this. And I take full accountability. Like, you know, you allow people to control you. If you, you react to something, that's because your choice to react. They don't make you do anything. But I was like, I need to take a step back because clearly I'm not in control of myself and I don't want to be that person. Because mm. I feel like if you haul off and like smack a dude in the face, he's not right to smack you back, but he's not wrong either. Like you can't hit on people and then be shocked when they turn around and hit back on you. You know, that's that's a thing that we learned uh, on the playground. Everybody keep your hands to yourself. Keep and yourself. Men, women, children, everybody. Keep your hands to yourself. And there's a big population of men that are actually in abusive relationships with women. But, you know, they'll call the cops and they'll get laughed at. Because what if that guy would have been like, you know what, Demetri, you're going to jail today. I'm calling the cops. And then they get there and they lock you up. I've seen it happen to, to women. And you're like, I'm a chick. And... So, you know, the, the takeaway, ladies, I think, like Demetrius said, if you're with somebody that's really pushing you to that point and making you jump out of character, they're not the one. Now, if it's in your character, girlfriend, you got to get some help. What, yeah. How do you, I know women, Demetrius, that are abusers and they brag about it. Yeah, I had to slap him. Yeah, I poured a drink in his face. Like, I'm just, what, what, what in the hell do we say to these women? You know, I have friends that say stuff like that. And I tell them, I'm like, yo, that's not cool. Like, I'm like, I don't it's condone it. I'm not like, hey, girl, like, oh, my God, that's so, I can't believe you, blah, blah, blah. And I'd be like, yo, that's raggedy. Like, you can't be treating people like that. Because what if that man hauls off and hits you in the face? Then you'll be all upset. Then you'll be wanting to call the police after you've done crazy-ish to him all this time that you yeah. brag about. You brag about, yeah. So to those of you that, like, that's your stilo and you're doing that on the norm, you are an abusive woman. 
that man is in an abusive relationship and help, I hope therapy, you, like professional help. help. I hope you don't go to jail, my friend, but you got to get some help. And I hope he doesn't smack you back. I, I, I hope he doesn't. Ooh. Yeah. Cause men hit entirely different than women do. Like our <laughs> strength is in our legs. Their strength is in their arms. Like you don't want to get hit by a man. You don't want to get socked in your, in the kisser. You really don't. You don't. Next up, we have Dear Demetria. So I love your Instagram, Demetria. I absolutely <laughs> love it. And I saw somebody shared, I believe, in the Blending in Black, but it was from your Instagram. So it says, Dear Demetria, my mother-in-law died and my husband's ex showed up to grieve with the family. Was I wrong for kicking her out? Now, the caveat that I want to add for our audience is she's a high-conflict ex and she's the mother of his children. So... If that's the case, Demetria, was this person, was the new wife wrong for kicking the ex-wife whom he has children with out of the mother-in-law's funeral? Absolutely. The mother-in-law is the grandmother to those children, whether she likes the woman or not. So like, what age would it be okay for the kids, for the mother not to accompany her children? Knowing that it's kind of high conflict and her presence might not be welcome, when is it okay to just be like, you know what, you come pick up the kids and you just take them. I don't have to be there. Here's the thing. If there's a contentious relationship between the ex-wife and the family overall, then she has no business there. But if you're the only person that she has an issue with, you really don't have much of a say there. I know people ain't going to like that. She I was mean, his ex-wife and they were all family at one point. And yes, they got divorced, but they have kids and they're still she still got to deal with these people when she needs somebody to like babysit the kids or watch the kids. Like maybe the kids are older now, but maybe they looked out for the kids when they were younger. Like there's still a family bond there through the children. So let's add that caveat. There is kind of a salty relationship. It's kind of contentious between her and the family. Um, should she still push her way up and try to go? Because I've seen it happen before. Oh my God. Y'all, you ain't nothing like a funeral fight in the South, baby. Y'all know I'm from Memphis, Tennessee and we get down. You know, a fight in Maryland. It was a, that was that was a lot. I've you never know, I've seen that in like like I don't know like a Tyler Perry movie or something. <laughs> like, I I'd never seen that, and because emotions were so high from like yes. the funeral in the morning, and then the fighting, like it was, it was all this much. adrenaline, and then people burst into tears. Like it was the strangest thing. It was a lot. You know, one thing that I've learned from just doing the work that I do is that some of the greatest griefs come from divorce and death. Those are two unmatched. Divorce is the death of a family and the expectations yeah. that you have. And then, of course, we, know, we all know death represents this finality and it's so hard for some people to deal with it. So at, at what point does this woman say, at what point is it okay to ask this lady to leave? And let's just say none of the family does fool with her. Nobody really likes you, sis, but you're rolling up in here because you have his kids and you're coming. So what's the appropriate course of action? Because I'm pretty sure there's somebody listening to this right now who is facing this issue. If... <sighs> Because they, if the person is causing a disturbance, if they're actually doing something that's causing a disturbance, they're showing up to the funeral and they're doing something antagonistic, and I don't mean just by being there, then they could be asked to leave. Now, many people will say their mere presence is antagonistic. Like, why are you here? You know we don't fool with you. Like, well, I got his kids and I brought the kids. So, I mean, you don't want to ask the that's mother ego. to that's leave. Ego. That's whose ego, the families or the mothers? The families. If the woman has decided to show up and she has kids and she's taking the children to, to pay respects to their grandmother, she has a right to be there. 
Now, if she acts a fool, then absolutely anybody who acts a fool at the funeral can be asked to leave. But if she's showing up with her children and she's just there, she's not saying anything, she's not antagonizing people, she's not like, I don't know, throwing paper at people, whatever. Um, <laughs> you, know, then you just have to like, you know, just sit through it, just get through it. Maybe she's not invited to the repast, but if she just wants to come and, and sit in the funeral parlor or- So the, she's the play nice, play nice and, just play nice. Focus on the purpose of being there, which is to celebrate and pay respects to the deceased. So, I, you know, which leads to another question. I've actually never seen anybody get asked to leave a funeral or a wedding or really like not not family e- e- events like that. How in the hell are you supposed to ask somebody like, hey, can you get up and go? How do you do that? I mean, ask whoever said it to Bobby Brown at Whitney's funeral. Wasn't he standing <gasps> oh. outside? Oh, wait. That's the only time I've ever seen that. I've never seen it happen in like my personal life. Wait a minute. Sure did. And he went on the news talking about it. Or he did an interview right outside the church, right? Yes. He went to, he sat near the front and somebody was like, hey, you got to go. And he had adult children with him, correct? His adult yes. children? Yes. I mean, he was Bobby Christina's father. Like I, and he was married to Whitney. I mean, obviously their relationship had their ups and downs from what's yeah. been said written and portrayed but he did not in what we saw on tv he did not appear to be causing a disturbance he was just there and they asked him to leave and i thought that was actually wrong i thought it was awful even though it report has it that bobby christina was estranged from her father at that time that's that his presence so you're, you're right that was really just the family's ego and somebody pushing their weight around like oh, he gotta go yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. there's also you know talk that he had been abusive to Whitney and uh, in that situation I could understand like you were you were a menace to the person the deceased when they were alive I I could see somebody being like you have no business here like you when you had the opportunity to treat them right you didn't so go Mm. that I could I could see actually Mm, if you're a menace then please pay your respects in another way send your children possibly but you know that your presence is going to bother people pray at home light a candle like right watch it like the rest of us i was sitting at home with my uh, church hat on watching it okay so demetria question because this is a big argument amongst first and second families when is a marriage considered over? Because I've, I've seen so many times where um, a person will file for divorce and we all know divorces could take forever. And in the meantime, you might meet somebody. You might meet your very next spouse, as a matter of fact, while before the ink is dry. So is, is it socially considered adultery, mistress, you're the side chick because you're dating a person who is going through a divorce or when is it okay in in your eyes to, to start to move on? It's, it's (laughs) loaded Uh, question, right? It's a loaded question. And And I I won't say in your your eyes, I will just say best practice. Best practice is to wait until the divorce is final. And I say that even if they're, they're living apart, even if they're living in separate states, even if they don't have a, a, a nasty back and forth or whatever, it's really just a paperwork thing. The process of going through divorce and the emotional mourning of a relationship, the, the psychological untethering of yourself from someone else, just because you move out of the house does not mean all of your issues have been addressed, right? Mm. It doesn't mean that you're fully separated completely from the other person. It takes a while. Even when you're in therapy, it still takes a while to work through all of those emotions. And is someone going through a divorce on the tail end of it, the ups and downs emotionally, 
honestly, you really don't want to deal with somebody who's going with that. We're not stable. I get it. Like it gets very lonely. Like you want companionship. You want someone as a part of your life. You And you're used to someone being a part of your life, you know, like losing that support system. Um, even if it came with a whole bunch of other messy stuff, and that's the reason you're getting a divorce, but having somebody who is in your corner in some respects, you're used to that. You're used to being a part of a pair and not being in that anymore. It's, it's very emotionally jarring. You know, it's very psychologically jarring. Um, but it's so much better for your next situation if you can sort out your emotional ish and then go to a new person with a fresh slate. Because even if you meet someone who's super amazing, who is the right person for you, who is the person you think you should have been with all of that time, there's no need to, I guess, sully the greatness of that situation with your emotional baggage. Mm. Like go forth and get all your legal stuff taken care of, get your therapy. Um, as someone who's, you know, going through a divorce and has been in therapy extensively for the last year and change, like you really don't want to date someone who's been divorced and has never gone to therapy, who's never done any self work yes. yes. because they're just going to repeat the same ish over and over and over. Try, try as best you can to, to work on yourself Use the time as long as it can be because like my divorce is going forever and a day. We have no kids, no property. Um, we're not fighting about money, but it's just dragging on for various reasons. Um, I know it it's a, all a the time too. painful process and it's an annoying process, the frustrating process, but use the time wisely to work on yourself um, so that you're better. So you don't make whatever mistakes that you made in your marriage, you don't make it in your next situation. That's the mm. best you can do for yourself and for someone that you care about. Being in therapy, healing yourself, doing things for yourself, it's so important. So if you're a woman that is um, dating a man that's going through a divorce, I urge you, I, you know what? I command you. I'm not even going to, I come, I demand that you step your ass back, sis, and allow yeah. that person and his family the time to sort through their stuff. And it's going to take a while. Don't wait. Cause he, you might not even want him after that. You don't know who he's going to be. Divorce changes you. It changes it how you look, how you smell, how you think. And it, you, you're going to be a different person after that. Some people are better. Most are not. And so I urge you, those of you out there, and within the sound of my voice, hold off if you can wait. And you have two women here that um, have been there, done that, and understand what it looks like. Whew. And honestly, let me tell you, as a woman, um, I, for a very short period of time, maybe like, after I'd left, I'd been gone maybe like six months. I was living in a new city and I was going out. I was feeling better. And I met a couple of people and started spending time. And I will say that the one guy who I really liked, I was honest with him on our second, we had a great first date and I was honest with him on our second date. And I was like, Hey, like, I never want to feel like I'm misleading anybody. Um, it was like, you know, my husband and I, like I filed for divorce. I'm living in a separate state. Like, you know, this marriage is over. We're not getting back together. But I just wanted to be clear with you that I'm still in the process and it's not filed. And we had a great time. And at the end of the night, he was like, I think you're absolutely awesome. But I really would rather deal with you when you're free and clear. And I respected him so much. And mm. I actually stopped dating completely after that because yeah. I was like the type of woman I am. If I met a guy who said that he was in the process of a divorce, I would be like, oh, no, because you're emotionally unstable. Like you're you still technically married. like I'm not trying to do that with you. Yes. I would walk away from that. And I was like, I'm not being the person I respect. Now, I remember when I was in the dating world and I met this awesome dude, doctor military, tall, dark and handsome frat boy. Mm -hmm. And he was like, hey, you know, I just got divorced. And my rule always was, um, 
I said, call me in six months. You, you know, we, you know, same situation as you just said. You're like, you went out with this guy and you told him. I was like, call me in six months. I really like you. He called me in six months. And then, of course, we tried and it didn't work out. So, you know, that was back when I was living in Dallas. So, But you know, girl, if you dated him for that six months or he was fresh off that divorce, it would have been a shit show. It would have been a mess. He didn't have children with that woman, but it would, you know, I don't know what type of mess. Well, I do know because I actually entered it maybe 10 years later. <laughs> so I do know exactly what it would have been, but you know, it's, it's a hard thing emotionally because like she said, you could be the person that you are divorcing could have very well have already moved on and were in a new relationship. That was the case with me. And so that's why it became like an easier sell. But you're not focused on what the other household is doing. You worry about this person that you're dating and where they are emotionally. And Demetri is damn right. She's, I can't stress this enough. I, I just, I hope that we're out here saving somebody some time and some energy, you know, by, by this chat right here. I really hope we are. I'm like you, like I've made tons of mistakes. Like one of the reasons that I'm like a good life coach that I'm a good, you know, person to talk about relationships and dating. I've made so many dumb mistakes that I had to learn from yes! and I didn't listen. And so I feel like maybe the stuff that I've done that was so stupid won't be in vain if I can share it with somebody else and I can steer oh them my around God. my worst mistakes. Yeah. So I don't just tell my business just because I have no filter. Like I tell my business with a purpose. You're like, like I'm trying to I don't save you. Doing this dumb shit I did. We yeah. you could do so much better than me. You could be yes. so much further than me. I want that for you. I don't want you to go through the BS that I have. And you know, and not saying like there's a lot of women that are um in in second marriages or they're with men whom are in their second marriages and this may be their first it is not deadly your marriage is not gonna die uh, because you decided to be with this person beforehand but you're gonna have a more difficult time adjusting mm -hmm. to the newness of your situation and not everything is doomed I'm, I'm, we're not saying it at all but it is a little bit more difficult because these nuances that uh you jumped into it, honey. You jumped into the pool. You jumped into it with a, with a whole family. So I have some pop culture stuff. Uh, some stuff that's been happening in the news. So okay. this past weekend was Pride. That was a Pride parade. And I know you know where I'm going with this, Demetria. Mm -hmm. Dwayne Wade and Gabrielle Union were pictured celebrating at, with their 11-year-old son at the Pride Parade. This caused an uproar all over the internet. The Christians came out. The Muslims came out. The um, say unsaved souls came out. Everybody with an opinion came out about what this family should have done. And of course I saw it. And, and my first thought was, I was like, oh God, I've been to Pride for probably the past 15 years. We are out there ratchet and that is not the place for a child. You gotta take the babies in the morning. It's yeah. like the West Indian Day Parade. Like, I lived off oh, the parade route. Like, oh my God, that parade. You gotta get the kids out of there, like, by two o'clock, three o'clock at the latest. That's when was, people. Were they there in the morning? Was they that... look like, they, well, one, they were on a float most of the time. So it's not like he was in the mix of all of that. Because um, it does get crazy. I've been to a couple of prides. Yes. Um, but if you, it's in the mornings early in the day for most parades, like the, the West Indian Day Parade, the Puerto Rican Day Parade, the, the Pride Parades, like if you go in the morning, it's really about like the floats and, you know, the families, like every bit of everybody is out there. It's later in the day when folks, you know, got their cups and they've been sipping all day and may have been smoking a little something all day where people start to get really crazy. <laughs> so I think it's fine to just for the idea of taking a, a child to a pride parade to say, you know, we support LGBTQIA, whomever, that mm -hmm. we support love is love. I think it's fine to take a child earlier in the day. 
And I have no opinion on this boy's sexuality. I'm not even going to ask you yours, Demetri, because our opinions surely don't matter in where this young man's life is going to go. I'm really proud of his parents for supporting him because you hear so many terrible stories about people coming out to their families and their families Mm -hmm. disowning them. And I love that he shared his truth with his family and they were like, we love you. We got you. We're here for you. We support you. I think that's the awesomest thing a parent can do for their child. So beautiful. I, I, you know, we can close that conversation with that because I agree. I I wholeheartedly agree. So for this last little bit of tea, y'all, gosh, I just don't like to be gossipy because, oh, but sometimes you can't help it. So today, and I don't know when this podcast is going to come out, but soon. So today we see that Wendy Williams has finally filed for divorce from her husband. And Demetri, I saw that on your Facebook page, actually. Yeah. You were the one that shared that breaking news first. I was like, oh my God, we got to throw this in the mix for today's conversation. So you all know Wendy took a long ass sabbatical from her show and she later admitted to us that she was living in a sober house. And at the same time, it came out that her longtime husband, 20, 30 years, I don't know, he's been her manager too. He had his mistress and him just had a baby. And we don't know. None of that has been confirmed or not. Now, Wendy has recently stopped wearing her wedding ring. Of course, the paperwork has been filed. At what point, you know, Demetri, I don't even know what question to even ask you about this, but let's just talk about this whole thing. How are you feeling about this? You know, um, I wrote about it on Facebook. I just did a sort of like good for Wendy. Um, And I wrote about it a little bit further on my Instagram page. And I said that it, it sort of disturbs me sometimes when people say finally about a woman leaving her husband or a a person leaving their spouse. Mm -hmm. Um, People take their vows very seriously. You know, she's been married to this man for, I think, 25 years. Um, They've been in it for, for a while. She is a wife. You know, she wanted to hold her family together. She wanted to hold her marriage together. And I will not fault her for taking um, a very long time to make a very tough decision. That's not an easy decision at all. You know, some people are able to, you know, see a couple years in like me and was like, nah, this, this ain't right. It doesn't feel right. It doesn't look right. Like, I don't see it getting better. And I'm not going to do this to myself. I'm not going to wait 10 or 20 years to make a decision that I knew um, in year one and change that this ain't working for me. Mm-hmm. You know, um, maybe their marriage was good at one point. Maybe it fell apart. Like those details are, are not my business, but I'm proud of her for for making a decision in her best interest because she's been going through it. She's been going from illness. And we watched her go through it. Like I remember when she passed out on the show, um, oh. you know, they said that it was, you know, one grave dis- disease. She was dealing with, with the medical issue, but I was also like, it's somebody who's been um, in a, a, what's the word? <laughs> Tumultuous relationship um you know it's the emotional stresses of it like i was getting all sorts of like ailments you like i was my back was getting thrown out for no reason like i'm Mm. having pains for no reason i got shingles i go to these say honey those rashes those outbreaks you're like wait a minute now my face is broken and the doctor's looking at me and he was like you know i could run a bunch of tests but essentially i can tell you what this is and i was like well please inform me enlighten me because like you know he was like oh you have shingles and i was like what and That's he was for like, old you know, people. You're like, wait. And he was like, he was like, yeah, usually this only happens to people who are like over 65, people with compromised immune systems or people who are under extreme stress. Now I get an HIV test every year. I'm negative. So right. I'm, like, I'm clearly not 65, but oh, stress. Oh, I can tell you something about that, doc. That's exactly where it came from. Oh, like I'm trying stress. to convince myself of, of to stay in a situation that I know is not right for me. Basically, but, it's killing you day by day, you. moment by yeah. moment. Like it's taking you out of here. And yeah. we saw... 
hopefully Wendy makes a full comeback now that she is, I know it's going to be hard though, because this is 25 years and this man is her manager. Not only is the father of her child, he's been her business manager. So I know the money's all tied up. The emotions are all tied up. Like it's, and then she's dealing with the addiction and the grades disease. So there's a disease. So there's a lot happening here. No, when she announced that she was living in a sober house and I was like, Oh man, like this man is going to kill you. The stress of this relationship of you trying to keep up, Whatever your reason, I'm not going to say it was for appearances, whatever reasons that she was trying to stay in that relationship, it was going against what she knew was the best thing for her. And that conflict was popping up and showing itself in her in all sorts of different ways. The woman's been sober forever today, and now she's living in a sober house with a 24-hour coach that she doesn't trust herself not to take substances of some kind come on mm, her soul knew you know and, and like you said our souls typically know when it's not right our souls also oh, tell oh us when it's God. time to you know fight and forge ahead but then you also know like listen this ain't and we both we're both grown women we both left a lot of situations jobs cities relationships friendships where you just like you know what this ain't right this ain't happening so kudos to wendy yeah <gasps> i wish her the best the worst is hard God bless her. Oh, Demetria L. Lucas, everybody. Let's give her a round of applause. Thank you so much for having me. This is such a pleasure. I thank you, Demetria. And hopefully it won't be the last time you stop by. I know I'm crazy because we are here. We're always here. And tell everybody, it will be shared on the blog, guys. But Demetria, tell everybody where to find you because I know they're looking for you right now. So you can find me on social media at at Demetria L. Lucas on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. That's the easiest way to get in contact with me. Yes, yes, yes. Well, my sister, thank you so much. You have a beautiful day out there in La La Land. I know I'm crazy. Yeah, thank you, my love. I know I'm doing crazy. I know I'm crazy. Today's episode is brought to you by Girl Bye, the 10-day masterclass for moms and stepmoms. Are you a mother or stepmother caught up in the toxicity that plagues so many women and stepfamilies? If so, I have packed six months of intense therapy into a masterclass just for you. My book, Girl Bye, She's Not Going Anywhere, Neither Are You, shows you exactly how to remove yourself from the drama and reclaim your personal peace. If you've tried no contact, playing nice, apologizing, and nothing has worked, then you finally found the most important tool that you'll need to gain harmony in not only your life, but in your family's life. Visit girlby.info for more info.